All right, I've got a lot to cover today. How many of you are unfamiliar with the story of the prodigal son? Raise your hand if you've never heard of it or know where it, not sure where it came from. The story of the prodigal son in Luke 15. A very famous uh, parable, um, often called the gospel within the gospel. And so it's worth uh, time and attention to study it and absorb it and see how we, uh, the things that we might learn from it. So the title of today's message, God seeks out the lost from a broken world. Sin from the outside, sin from the inside. And as you hear the stories of the lost coin, the lost sheep, and the lost sons, you're going to naturally question, where do I fit in with this story? All right? And so as we go through that, that's the context. Luke 15, the context is the Pharisees and the religious leaders. That's another character. We're grumbling that Jesus was hanging out and welcoming uh, supposed marginal people, tax collectors and sinners. So even uh, saying tax collectors and sinners, you know, it's, uh, uh, that's kind of central to the parables. There's more rejoicing in heaven when one sinner repents. And so it's kind of interesting as we look at it, it's naturally to question, well, am I a tax, am I a tax collector type person? Actually, I like my tax preparer. They're, they're good people nowadays, right? They help us. They're like almost lawyers, right? So tax collectors in our context sometimes doesn't relate. Sinners is an interesting phrase. So Jesus and in Matthew's gospel actually interprets this uh, trilogy of parables. It's actually one parable like I shared last time. Um, often people will slice and dice these parables up into different messages and meanings, but it's all one parable, the lost coin, the lost sheep. Jesus interprets the main meaning of these parables as this in verse 7. I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. Also in Matthew, found in Matthew 14, so it is not the will of your Father in heaven that one of these little ones should be lost. So the question is, you know, who are the lost? Who are the lost? A lost treasure, as in a lost coin. A lost sheep, as in a precious um, living thing that one cares for. So who are the lost? In this parable, Jesus explains, they are the unrepentant sinners. Unrepentant sinners. The lost coin, though valuable, unrepentant. The lost sheep, unrepentant. So Luke 15, what is described, the lost coin and lost sheep, is kind of like part A and part B. The lost coin and lost sheep, however, this part of the parable, do not tell us about repentance. Okay? All right? Right? We, uh, Jesus said, there's more rejoicing in heaven over one repentant sinner. Um, 
The part of the lost coin, lost sheep, doesn't quite tell us about repentance. So we're going to move on to um, the lost son, who's going to show us and illustrate us more fully what a, what a one repentant sinner looks like. Here's a little character uh, outline that I put down that might be helpful. There's God and Jesus' perspective towards sinners that we get out of the parable, rejoicing after each sinner who repents. There's the lost, sinners who are unrepentant, such as the lost coin, lost sheep, and we'll learn later the lost sons and daughters in a far-off land. There are those sinners who are found, those who are lost and those who are found, sinners who repent. The found sheep has value and care from the shepherd and compassion. The found coin finds its value in being lost, but found. Now in the third stanza of this parable, it fully illustrates how God views his estranged children, that's you and I, who are separated from their creator, their father, in what and what it looks like to repent. So uh, back, buckle your seatbelts, we're going to go through this kind of fast, okay? So many of, many of us are, most of us are familiar with the parable of the prodigal son. So here's some words here you can follow along in your own Bible or here. So Luke 15, uh, and continuing on in verse 11. Then Jesus said, there was a man who had two sons. The younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my share of the wealth that will belong to me. So the father divided his assets between them. Just a couple words of commentary. So the man had two sons, okay, one older, one younger. The younger one, the focus of this drama focuses on the younger son. Now, I don't know if uh, any of you, uh, if there's a pecking order in your family or, or whatnot, sometimes the younger ones get picked on. <laughs> <laughs> right? Uh, in this uh, society, probably in Asian culture as well, right? The number one son has a lot more honor in the family and responsibility, right? Right? So very similar to, we can understand that. So we're not, right, we're not quite sure what happened to this younger son. Was he just a rebellious, spoiled kid? Like uh, Joseph's brothers viewed Joseph with a multicolored coat, who didn't have to work so hard, was favored by, is it Jacob, maybe? Jacob? Gary says yes, so Jacob. <laughs> Fact check. <laughs> uh, was it jo Joseph, uh, was he uh, spoiled or what? We're not quite sure yet, but let's read on. He says to his, his uh, anyway, he had, some, he had discontent anyway. He wanted to get out of there. And he said something very offensive to his family. He looked at his father's assets, his father's wealth, all his lifetime of hard work. And he said, Dad, give me my share of the inheritance when, when you're dead that belongs to me. <laughs> so that's a very offensive thing, right? So this is what happened. So interesting enough, the father did it, right? The father did it. Um, I think it's just a point of commentary. Those of us that are parents may, who may have a prodigal son or daughter, it's interesting. Sometimes we have to 
let them make their own mistakes, right? This father said, okay, this is what you want. This is the choice you're taking. Here you go. Go for it. Sometimes we have to let them make their own mistakes. So point of parenting advice from our God, the Father, this, telling this story. That I know that could relate to some of you. But it's such a hard thing to do, right? When they're children, you make their choices. Yes, no, you will do this, you will not do that. When they what? Become teenagers, we have to let them make their own choices and let them what? Learn to stand on their own feet or fail, right? That's, it's not our life we're living for them. We have to let them grow up. Oh, so many illustrations we can get from this story, but we got to keep moving on. <laughs> so, uh, a few days later, the younger son gathered all he had, and he traveled to a distant region. Other, version, other uh, versions of the Bible say a distant land or a distant country. There he squandered this wealth in desolate living, uh, where he spent, okay, when he had spent everything he had, a severe famine took place throughout that whole region, and he began to become in need. So it's interesting, uh, just commentary on this. He spent everything he had, and became, he became in need. That sounds kind of neutral, doesn't it? But if you read what's happening here, the beauty of this parable and the wording of this, a famine took place. Well, what kind of famine? Severe famine. Where? Throughout the whole region. And another version says the whole country. All right? So he, his resources were rock bottom. When it says he became in need, the rest of the chapter describes how much in need he was. So he went out, so he went out and got a job. You can look at it this way. What's so bad about that? Oh, the spoiled kid, rich kid. The little prince had to get a job. He had to start working. No, it says he hired himself out to a citizen of the region who sent him to feed the pigs. Now, this is a Jewish context. Do they like pigs? No, they don't like pigs. They're unclean. All right? So what did he do? He got a job carrying after something unclean. Okay? He hit rock bottom. I like the wording here. So he hired himself out. It's almost like he sold himself out to find money. He would have gladly filled his stomach with the food that he was feeding these unclean pigs. But no one gave him anything. So he had reached bottom. So in addiction theory... One of my mentors uh, pointed me to a quote. The things that drive addictions and compulsions are often by two things, the power of that. Running towards pleasure or away from pain. Running towards the pleasurable thing or away from pain. Often is the power that drives our addictions and compulsions. So our prodigal child it doesn't really say in the scripture what his motivations were. But this could explain it. Maybe he was committing sins of commission, that is willful acts uh, toward pleasure. It's what I call the four Ps. 
All the things that money could buy, power, possessions, pleasure, position. It's kind of like he took all that money and went to Vegas. (laughs) Is, Is Vegas called Sin City? Huh? Or is that Reno? No. Now, Reno is the biggest little town, biggest little town or something like that, right? Vegas is called Sin City. And what do they say? What happens in Vegas? Right. That is his real life far off land, right? It didn't say he went downtown and got drunk. It didn't say that. It didn't say he partied with his friends downtown. No, he went to a far-off land. This is the beauty of this passage. When he came to his senses, it talks about what a repentant sinner looks like. Now again, those of us hearing this, Now, you all don't look very drunk to me. Well, maybe some of those of you in the back. No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) Uh, It's hard to relate to this kind of passage, okay? So it's important that we, we look at what a repentant sinner looks like, okay? Because that's all of us, each of us, all right? So when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. And here is true repentance. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. So it's interesting here where he says, uh, I'll go back to my father, but I am no longer worthy to be your son. Hire me as a servant or a slave. Just a point of, it's interesting when we're lost in sin and shame or the sins of others, it's easy to internalize this sin and shame. And this is what our prodigal child did here. He internalized it that I'm no longer worthy to be your son. But he was a repentant one, (laughs) right? He was a repentant one. And what's exciting about this, when we came to faith, this is our story. And it challenges us, wow, did I take these steps? And it's this whole idea of true repentance being sober about our situation and the broken relationship between us and God is what we need to be sober about. And then understanding what it takes to have true repentance, to come to a true saving faith, what's our responsibility and what's God's responsibility. That's the exciting thing about this passage. If you are to... Maybe share your saving faith with a relative or a concerned loved one. These are the mechanics of it in here. It's worth studying. It's not just a simple prayer. Say these uh, few words out of this little booklet and you're, you're saved, okay? In modern culture, they call that uh, 
easy, easy faithism. <laughs> okay, those of us that watch the uh, Jesus Revolution, um, some critics that are criticizing mo- the movie um, criticize uh, these evangelistic events that offer easy believism. Just do these few things, and basically you're in for life. You cannot lose your salvation. But the parable of the prodigal son details the intricacies of saving faith and true repentance. So it's fascinating. The parable of the repentant sinner. So he decides to go back to the father. And the beauty of this parable, he was a long way off. He went to a distant country. Is this geographically, figuratively? It's all those things wrapped up into this moral uh, distance between us and our Heavenly Father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. And he ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. Then the son said to his father, Father, I have sinned against heaven and you. I am no longer worthy to be your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, which is a a symbol of honor and dignity, and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger, which is a sign of authority and sonship, and sandals on his feet, which is a sign of not being a servant or slave. And then the father said, bring the fattened calf and let's kill it and have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead, but now is alive again. He was lost, but now he's found. And they began to celebrate. So this, bringing this home and real, this story talked about Jesus eating with tax collectors and sinners. Okay. Bible story, (laughs) upset Pharisees, very removed from our lives. And then Jesus talks about this, well, if if you had 99 sheep and one went astray, wouldn't, our God is like the God that would run after that one, that precious one. So 99, okay, 99 and one, if you were one out of 99, then he brings it a little more personal. If you were one out of ten precious coins, wouldn't you sweep the whole house and search night and day for it? And when you found that one in ten, you would rejoice. And he said there's more rejoicing in heaven when one would repent. And then he tells this story about this one wayward son. And this broken relationship between him and his father. Isn't it true our relationship with our significant others and our parents is so foundational to our social and psychological development? Here, this lost son had lost honor, lost respect, lost morals, lost reputation, lost friends, lost accountability, lost 
gainful work, lost progress toward his goals, lost apprenticeship, lost status, lost trust, lost dignity, lost years, lost youth, lost innocence. This next video, to bring this home even further, here's a testimony just posted a couple days ago. This is Dr. Charles Stanley's grandson. Dr. Charles Stanley recently passed away at the ripe old age of 90. And uh, he founded In Touch Ministries, and he just has that grandfatherly style of preaching and pastoring that I encourage you to listen to. This is a story of his relationship with his prodigal grandson. Matt also has ADD. <laughs> I think he described it as bipolarism. You can see a little bit of manic... Uh, <laughs> His manic testimony there. It works out well. He packs so much in three or four minutes and illustrates the story of the prodigal son. So wrapping this up, where is our distant land? How many times do we go off into a distant land? He describes so many things. Loneliness. Self-pity, feeling bad about myself, his failures, voices that are around us as well. The question is, where is our far-off land? And the joy of the gospel within the gospel in Luke 15 is that while we are still a long way off, God runs to us and wraps his arms around us. This is the joy of our salvation. So I hope that encourages you today. And I'm going to wrap up with this um, meditative song that I shared with you before. I was going to uh, wrap up with uh, uh, Reckless Love of God, but I'll just... Uh, quote a few line, bars from there, is the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. There's no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up coming after me. We are the one sheep. We are the 99. We are the one in 10. If we were the only person left on earth, or on the opposite, we are one person out of how many billions of people in this world, God would leave all of them coming after us. That's how precious we are to God. So this is Tori Kelly's song again. Um, Before I, I go there, God's desire is not a precious one is lost. I've encouraged you, this church, leaders, participants, to break bread with each other. Be open to multi-generational conversations. 
even though you don't have a lot of groups, don't, don't think that, well, there's no one here for me. Be open to it. Be open to different eth ethnicities. Be open to the humanity that you come across. The homeless, visitors, the empty chair. Whenever we have a small group, I highlight, always have an empty chair because our group, Jesus, God's desire, yes, he wants to bring us in to have a feast and join us afterwards. We're going to have some nutrition, food for our soul, our stomachs, <laughs> and sweet fellowship. And hopefully today you can say, it was good to be in the house of the Lord. This is the day that the Lord has made. I'll rejoice and be glad in it. Where you praise God in worship, praise God in learning from the word, and then especially... Uh, not neglecting to meet together and share and care for one, one another. Be open to um, meeting with God's people. And don't forget the empty chair to bring someone who might need, uh, need God's care and sh uh, sharing and caring. All those prodigals that are out there. This past uh, month, I was able to do some traveling, Sacramento to Florida, to the Sierras, and then down to Las Vegas, Sin City. <laughs> I, I did a crucifix of, 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 the, of the nation. God was gracious. Uh, I was focused. God gave me focused. I think I have a little, I don't know, I don't think I'm bipolar like uh, Matt was on the screen, but... Um, certainly can have my highs and lows. And going to a far-off land, I went to Disneyland, I went to Universal Studios, did uh, lots of fun things. Um, but I was open to God's humanity, God's leading. I was able to sit next to a, a Chinese national and talk about the pandemic from the American perspective and from China's perspective, how they handled things. It was an amazing conversation, and we were able to talk about spiritual things, and I didn't know what to tell her. I didn't feel like I was going to convince her of, of the gospel from an from American perspective, all in, you know, just a short flight. But I did have a word for her, what I believe was truth. I just told her that I believe that if she doesn't believe in a God, that God believes that she was wonderfully and fearfully made. That was my simple message to her. Some of you, I told, I went to look at a minivan a couple weeks ago, and I was able to talk with this Muslim man, a salesperson, about why he was fasting. We were able to converse about the differences between Islam and Christianity in that short visit, and I felt led to pray with him about the truth that the difference between Christianity and Islam is that we believe Jesus is God. And they believe he's just a man, a prophet. And then all our hope of mercy is embodied in this person of Jesus. So be open to the lost ones. Okay, we're going to close on this song again. I know it was hard to see the the words of 
Tori Kelly's uh, reinterpretation of it is well with my soul. So think about where is your far off land? Where are we lost? What far off places do we go in our hearts and minds where we need rescue from God? God looks for us while we're still a long way off and looking, waiting for us to turn. The Pharisees didn't believe that they were sinners, they were self-righteous. So maybe that's where our far-off land is. Well, there's another part of this story of the second son and his response God, we thank you that uh, while we're still a long way off, God, you run to us. You embrace us. You put a robe, even when we feel um, estranged from you, what we cannot do, God, is to be restored to son and daughtership, your children. But even while we're a long way off, you run to us and put a robe on our back sandals on our feet and a ring on our finger and restore us to sons and daughters of you. We thank you and praise you for that. In your son's name we pray. Amen.